Greetings from St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, here in the very heart of the City of London. We're delighted that you're tuning in to this podcast. St Bride's is famous for its ministry to journalists, and behind me you can see our journalists' commemorative altar, but we are, of course, here for you all. Do please leave a comment or a like and tell us where you're listening from. It's always wonderful to hear from you. And if you would like to donate to help support these services, you will find details in the accompanying text. And now, may the light and peace of Christ be with us all as our worship begins.
May I welcome you very warmly to St Bride's to our service of choral evensong on this, the third Sunday after Trinity. Wherever you are in the world, and however you're listening to us, we hope that you will feel that you are very much part of the St Bride's family. Beloved, we are come together in the presence of Almighty God and of the whole company of heaven to offer unto him through our Lord Jesus Christ our worship and praise and thanksgiving, to make confession of our sins, to pray as well for others as for ourselves, that we may know more truly the greatness of God's love and show forth in our lives the fruits of his grace, and to ask on behalf of all men such things as their well-being doth require. Wherefore, let us kneel now and humbly confess our sins to Almighty God. Let us pray. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no help in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou them, O God, which confess their faults. Restore thou them that are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind. In Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. May the almighty and merciful Lord grant unto you pardon and remission of all your sins, time for amendment of life, and the grace and comfort of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
The Old Testament lesson is written in the book of the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 10, beginning at the first verse. Hear ye the word which the Lord speaketh unto you, O house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, Learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven. For the heathen are dismayed at them, for the customs of the people are vain. For one cutteth a tree out of the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. They deck it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers, that it move not. They are upright as the palm tree, but speak not. They must needs be born, because they cannot go. Be not afraid of them, for they cannot do evil. Neither also is it in them to do good. For as much as there is none like unto thee, O Lord, thou art great, and thy name is great in might. Who would not fear thee, O King of nations? For to thee doth it appertain, for as much as among all the wise men of the nations, and in all their kingdoms, there is none like unto thee. But they are altogether brutish and foolish. The stock is a doctrine of vanities. Silver spread into plates is brought from Tarshish, and gold from Euphaz, the work of the workman, and of the hands of the founder. Blue and purple is their clothing. They are the work of cunning men. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God, and an everlasting King. At his wrath the earth shall tremble, and the nations shall not be able to abide his indignation. Thus shall ye say unto them, The gods that have not made the heavens and the earth, even they shall perish from the earth and from under these heavens. He hath made the earth by his power. He hath established the world by his wisdom, and hath stretched out the heavens by his discretion. When he uttereth his voice, there is a multitude of waters in the heavens, and he causeth the vapours to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightnings with rain, and bringeth forth the winds out of his treasures. Every man is brutish in his knowledge. Every founder is confounded by the graven image, for his molten image is falsehood, and there is no breath in them. They are vanity, and the work of errors. In the time of their visitation they shall perish. The portion of Jacob is not like them, for he is the former of all things, and Israel is the rod of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
New Testament lesson is written in the letter of Paul to the Romans, chapter 11, beginning at the 25th verse. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel, until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, There shall come out of Zion the Deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes, but as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. For as ye in times past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief, even so have these also now not believed, that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all. O oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are his judgments, and his ways past finding out! For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counsellor? Or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again? For of him, and through him, and to him, are all things, to whom be glory for ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
hast sent the spirit of thy Son into our hearts, whereby we call thee Father. Grant us grace to dedicate our freedom to thy service, that the whole world may be brought to the glorious liberty of the children of God, through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.
In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Last Friday, I went to the British Museum to see the Thomas Beckett exhibition. It's well worth a visit if you get the chance. I've long been fascinated by Thomas Beckett and his story. As a child, I can remember visiting Canterbury Cathedral and being riveted by the experience of seeing the sight of his murder there, while at the same time hearing his remarkable story being told. And to this day, there is much about the story of his life that I find both fascinating and intriguing. Indeed, the one thing that no exhibition about the man could ever show is the one thing that one would most dearly love to know about him, which is what was truly going on in his heart, particularly during the time when his relationship with the king, the king he had served so faithfully and loyally and closely, was so definitively sundered. Many of you will, I'm sure, already be very familiar with Beckett's story, but in case a reminder is helpful, here is a brief outline. Thomas Beckett was born in the year 1118, just up the road from here in Cheapside. His family were merchants, so he received a good education and he worked as a clerk before entering the service of Theobald the then Archbishop of Canterbury. Becket excelled himself both as an administrator and a diplomat, and his gifts did not go unnoticed by King Henry II, to whom he became immensely close, not only professionally, but personally. The king appointed Becket Chancellor, and then decided that he should succeed Theobald, his former employer, as Archbishop of Canterbury. The slight inconvenience that Becket was not even in holy orders at the time was overcome by his being ordained priest the day before his, his consecration as Archbishop. His rise through the clerical ranks was certainly meteoric. But that is when events took a very different turn from anything that one might possibly have imagined. Certainly, Henry II did not see this coming. Because looking on from the outside after this great passage of time, it's tempting to see in Becket nothing more than a highly skilled, ambitious careerist whose friendship with the king brought him obvious personal benefits. Certainly, the king assumed that with Becket as his archbishop, the church was safely under control. But what then unfolded requires a complete and comprehensive rewrite of that particular script, because Becket took his duties as archbishop, as the leader of the church, and as a servant of Christ profoundly seriously. He defended the privileges of the church against royal encroachment, leading to increasing friction and eventually a total rift with the king and the nobility. Becket was forced to seek exile in France between 1164 
and his eventual return to Canterbury in 1170, where he was murdered in his cathedral on the 29th of December. A contemporary eyewitness account of his killing by Edward Grimm describes how Becket ordered the doors of the cathedral to be opened, admitting the four knights whom he knew wanted to take his life. Becket's final recorded words surrendered his life to God. He said this, I am ready to die for my Lord, that in my blood the church may obtain peace and liberty. But in the name of Almighty God, I forbid you to harm any of the men, whether clerk or lay. He then commended his cause and that of the church to St. Mary and St. Denis, and he was hacked to death as he prayed. When his body was recovered, he was found to be wearing a hair shirt under his robes. There was nothing superficial or bogus about his piety, as can be seen in that act of asceticism. Perhaps unsurprisingly, I've been very haunted by Beckett's story in recent days, having seen that exhibition. But his life story also came back into my mind when I was reading our first reading this evening from the prophet Jeremiah, a reading in which Jeremiah, in his own very particular way, warns his hearers not to conform to the ways of the heathen, not to be dismayed, not to heed those who have no fear of God, for the wisdom of God exceeds all human wisdom, and the things of God are the things that last. It is so tempting to be seduced into pursuing the ways of the world, to be shaped by the attitudes and assumptions and priorities of the world, by the pursuit of power and influence and wealth. And yet such ways fundamentally conflict with the ways of God, ways that are so distant from the ways of the world that, as Paul says in our second reading this evening, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. There is a sense in which Beckett did indeed turn his back on the former to embrace the latter, even though ultimately it was to cost him his life. He was undoubtedly a stubborn and a complicated man. He was no plaster saint for all that subsequent generations came to revere him. But he was also a man who was profoundly touched by God in a way that quite possibly took even him by surprise. It certainly astonished the king whom he had previously served so loyally. But then again, God has a habit of slipping into our lives unexpectedly and unannounced, often when we least expect it. The Victorian scholar teacher, theologian, and poet, Thomas Edward Brown, T.E. Brown, wrote a marvelous but incredibly simple poem called Presence, 
which describes this experience beautifully. I shall leave you with his words. Expecting him, my door was open wide. Then I looked round, if any lack of service might be found, and I saw him at my side. How entered, by what secret stair, I know not, knowing only he was there. Amen. Let us pray. Most High God, all creation knows you and is alive with your presence. Join our worship with the natural praises of all you have made. 
with humble and contrite hearts, we adore your name. We ask for your blessing on the leaders of your holy churches, and especially on Alison, our rector, Sarah, our bishop. We pray also today for the Church of Northern India, for Prem Chan Singh, moderator and bishop of Jabalpur, for the church in Visby in Sweden, and for its bishop, Thomas Pettersson, and for the church in Copenhagen in Denmark, and for its bishop, Peter Skov Jacobson. In our own diocese, we pray for the work of Canon Miles Baker, Area Director of Ministry and Director of Post-Ordination Training. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. Most High God, your authority is over all. Give governments and rulers wisdom for the awesome responsibility they bear. We pray for our Queen and for our government and for the leaders of the nations. We remember especially those lands where there is war or conflict. We also continue to pray for journalists throughout the world and especially for those who are in harm's way in the course of their duties. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. Most high God, your compassion sees beyond fear. Hold with your mercy all who suffer in body, mind or spirit. Embrace them in your love, that we may yet give you thanks. We remember before you all those in our parish community who are in need at this time in this city and around the world. And we remember any others known to us. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. Most high God, Teach us to know you and trust in your eternity, as with faith we remember those who have died. We pray for the recently departed and those whose years mind comes at this time. Rest eternal grant unto them, O Lord, and let light perpetual shine upon them. Bring us with them to rejoice in the fulfilment of your promise. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. We commend ourselves and all for whom we have prayed to the mercy and protection of God. Merciful Father, accept, accept these, these prayers, prayers for the, the sake, sake of thy Son. Son our, our Saviour, Saviour Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ.
Amen. peace of God which passeth all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you all. <laughs>